Hi, everyone. Welcome back to MinAdopt's podcast, Let's Talk. This is a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Jackie, and I am the host today. I'm the communications and marketing coordinator at MinAdopt. And today I am talking to Dr. Tammy Dakoto. Dr. Dakota will be sharing strategies for self-care and managing stress. If you like this episode, consider joining Dr. Dakota for a live webinar on this same topic with us, which is coming up on Tuesday, September 28th. Please check out our website for registration details under our education page. So please let me introduce you to Dr. Dakota. Dr. Dakota obtained a doctorate degree in clinical psychology from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln with specialization in the cognitive behavioral treatment of anxiety disorders for adults, adolescents, and children. Dr. Dakota has extensive experience working with patients who suffer from complex trauma, neurodevelopmental disorders, grief, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thinking. Aside from clinical work, Dr. Dakota has given numerous lectures on how trauma impacts attachment and brain development, in-school strategies for working with traumatized children, and historical trauma. She is an enrolled member of the Mandan, Hitatsa, Arikara Nation, and a descendant of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. Hi, Dr. Dakota. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? I'm really happy you're here today. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I have looked forward to recording this episode with you because of the topic, Um, and I'm planning on listening to your webinar, your live webinar with us on September 28th, so everyone, please go and check out our website for registration on that, but we're excited to have you again in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. So let's just jump in. Uh, Let's start with the impact of the pandemic COVID-19 from the past year and a half and how that has impacted children's anxiety in various age groups. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this pandemic that we've been through is um, really challenging in a number of ways, but there's, there's this combination of factors that is well known to contribute to anxiety and stress-related disorders. And all of those are present in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and the combination is that there's an actual real threat, right? COVID is um, a virus that can make people very sick and in some cases cause them death. So there's an actual threat out there in our world. Um, and there's a lack of predictability, you know, especially early on the messaging about COVID and how to respond to it and how to keep ourselves safe was um, confusing and it was changing all the time. And so it was really hard to predict um, what we needed to do to keep ourselves safe. And, and now we have this new Delta variant that's a lot more, it's said to be a lot catchier, a lot more easier to catch it. Um, and so it's just, you know, we don't know if and when we're going to get this. And if we do get it, what's going to happen? So there's that actual real threat, the lack of predictability. And then we have a situation where we're trying to stop the spread of the disease um, through social isolation and distancing. 
Um, and so those three factors, that isolation from our social relationship, the actual real threat in our environment, and the lack of predictability, and then all the changes that we've gone through too, we've gone through, mm -hmm. had to work in different ways and figure out how to function in different ways. It's really created the perfect storm um, for anxiety disorders. Mm. I would say, you know, you asked about specific age groups. In general, there's been an, both an increased onset of anxiety and worsening of symptoms for those people already, already suffering from anxiety, both adults and children. Um, but school-age children, I would say, and nursing home residents have probably suffered the most School-age children, especially those high schoolers, I really empathize with because they've missed out on really important developmental events that help bring meaning to this phase of their life, their social contact, supportive teachers, the routine of their school schedule. They've really just missed out on some significant events. Mm -hmm. um, and then our nursing home residents, of course, have experienced long periods of isolation from their loved ones and suffered loneliness and loss. Um, and, and, you know, the tragedy in my mind is the individuals who've had to suffer through COVID, um, and then maybe pass it away in a lonely hospital room. Mm. Um, and the impact of that on their families, I, I am sure is just so devastating. So we know through our science that relationships are essential in the management of stress. And even though we found new ways to connect via the internet, people are still struggling with the lack of genuine and supportive connections. Dr. Dakota, uh, what are your thoughts about how the return to school will be different this year for children? Well, different regions are returning to school at different and different timelines. And of course, different regions have different seasons and so are impacted by COVID-19 um, in sort of in different ways, like the, the spike of COVID is happening at different times. And so we're seeing a lot of differences, a lot of variability across when and how schools are returning um, back into the classroom. But um, up to this point, the data that study how COVID, COVID has affected student learning shows that COVID has worsened the gaps in literacy for students of color and low income students. So they've really suffered the most. Um, we've probably all heard of the summer slide, the degree to which students lose ground during the summer. But now we've been introduced to something called the COVID-19 slide, which is the degree to in which students show patterns of academic setbacks due to COVID-19 shutdowns. Some of the early data, although they're still collecting data on how much students have been impacted by COVID-19, um, the data that we have at this point shows that COVID-19 slide estimates suggest students return to school with roughly 70% of learning gains um, in reading relative to a typical school year. Um, but in math, students showed even smaller learning gains returning to school with less than half of the gains um, that they had in the previous academic year in some of the grades. Nearly, that's nearly a full year behind what we would observe under normal conditions. Right. So, you know, before, you know, taking into consideration um, the academic impact, of course, is important, but before children are able to re-engage in school and close those gaps, they must return to a nurturing environment that helps them reconnect with their environment and with others and stabilize their emotions so that they're ready for learning. 
Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, can we go into the family situation and the intertwining of the adult and child anxiety? Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So our nervous system reacts to one another. You've probably been in a room before where somebody starts yawning and then all of a sudden everybody starts yawning, the the classic empathy yawn. Um, And whether we're conscious of it or not, our nervous systems are picking up on one another's nervous systems all the time and we're responding to that. Children are especially attuned to the emotional tone of their caregivers. Mm -hmm. So if parents are feeling stress and dysregulation, children can have similar feelings because children will often mirror what the parents are feeling on the inside. So child stress most of the time manifests as problematic behavior or problems in sleep. So we'll start to see disruptive behaviors and sleep problems, and Mm -hmm. it really kind of um, snowballs and worsens in terms of school performance and relationships and so on. So the parent-to-child dysregulation dynamic then can just lead to further stress, conflict, and the breakdown of relationships. It's really important that parents are paying attention to their own regulation and engaging in routine self-care so that their children can also um, feel safe off of that co-regulation activity between parent and child. Absolutely. And so in the webinar that you're doing with us, you'll be going into more strategies around how to, how maybe parents can. Yeah. I'll be talking more specifically about what happens in our nervous system when we're Mm -hmm. under stress um, and strategies that we can do for ourselves or that parents or teachers can provide in the classroom to help our nervous system get back into a calm state. Great. Um, Okay. So I have one more question for you before we hop off. Um, How about medications? Are medications helpful for anxiety? Yeah, good question. Um, Medications can be helpful for anxiety for sure. They help stabilize the neurochemicals so that the person feels better, but typically medications should not be thought of as a long-term fix or a silver bullet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Statistically, medication for depression and anxiety provides about 25 to 30% improvement for most people. That might not seem like a lot, but it can provide enough symptom relief to enable the person to get back into their normal habits and routine and help them engage their other coping skills so they can continue to get better. So treatment that combines both medication and therapy usually provides the most benefit to the individual. Mm -hmm. And while medication tends to have a more short-term benefit, the skills learned in therapy provide a longer-term benefit and also helps build resiliency against future stress. Well, thank you for that answer. And Dr. Dakota, we really are looking forward to having you and learning more from you. Um, So everyone, I know this was shorter, but if you want to learn more from Dr. Dakota, please join us on September 28th. And thank you for taking the time today. You're welcome. Thanks again. Yeah.